Chapter Three, Part Two of the Coming of the Fairies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Coming of the Fairies by Arthur Conan Doyle, Chapter Three, Part Two. The most severe attack upon the fairy pictures seems to have been that of Major Hall Edwards, the famous authority upon radium in the Birmingham Weekly Post. He said, What? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle takes it for granted that these photographs are real photographs of fairies, notwithstanding the fact that no evidence has so far been put forward to show exactly how they were produced. Anyone who has studied the extraordinary effects which have from time to time been obtained by cinema operators must be aware that it is possible, given time and opportunity, to produce by means of faked photographs almost anything that can be imagined. It is well to point out that the elder of the two girls has been described by her mother as a most imaginative child, who has been in the habit of drawing fairies for years and who for a time was apprenticed to a firm of photographers. In addition to this, she has access to some of the most beautiful dales and valleys where the imagination of a young person is easily quickened. One of the pictures represents the younger child leaning on her elbow upon a bank, while a number of fairies are shown dancing around her. The child does not look at the fairies, but is posing for the photograph in the ordinary way. The reason given for her apparent disinterestedness in the frolicsome elves is that she is used to the fairies and was merely interested in the camera. The picture in question could be faked in two ways. Either the little figures of the fairies were stuck upon a cardboard, cut out and placed close to the sitter, when of course she would not be able to see them, and the whole photograph produced on a marked plate or the original photograph without fairies may have had stuck on it the figures of fairies cut from some publication this would then be rephotographed and if well done no photographer could swear that the second negative was not the original one major hall edwards went on to remark that great weight had been placed upon the fact that the fairies in the photograph had transparent wings but that a tricky photographer could very easily reproduce such an effect it is quite possible, he observed, to cut off the transparent wings of insect and paste them on a picture of fairies. It is easy to add the transparent wings of large flies and so arrange them that portions of the photograph can be viewed through the wings and thus obtain a very realistic effect. It has been pointed out that although the fairies are represented as if they were dancing, in fact they are definitely stated to be dancing, there is no evidence of movement in the photographs. An explanation of this has been given by the photographer herself, who has told us that the movements of the fairies are exceedingly slow and might be compared to the retarded movement films shown in the cinemas. This proves that the young lady possesses a very considerable knowledge of photography. Millions of photographs have been taken by operators of different ages, children and grown-ups, of country scenes and places which, we have been taught, are the habitats of nymphs and elves. Yet until the arrival upon the scene of these two wonderful children, the image of a fairy has never been produced on a photographic plate. On the evidence, I have no hesitation in saying that these photographs could have been faked. 
I criticize the attitude of those who declare there is something supernatural in the circumstances attending the taking of these pictures, because, as a medical man, I believe that the inculcation of such absurd ideas into the minds of children will result in later life in manifestations of nervous disorder and mental disturbances. Surely young children can be brought up to appreciate the beauties of nature without their imagination being filled with exaggerated, if picturesque, nonsense and misplaced sentiment. End of quote. To this Mr. Gardner answered, quote, Major Hall Edwards says no evidence has been put forward to show how they were produced. The least a would-be critic should do is surely to read the report of the case. Sir A. Conan Doyle is asserted to have taken it for granted that these photographs are real and genuine. It would be difficult to misrepresent the case more completely. The negatives and contact prints were submitted to the most searching tests known to photographic science by experts, many of whom were frankly sceptical. They emerged as being unquestionably single exposure plates and, further, as bearing no evidence whatever in themselves of any trace of the innumerable faking devices known. This did not clear them entirely, for, as I have always remarked, in my description of the investigation, it is held possible by employing highly artistic and skilled processes to produce similar negatives. Personally, I should very much like to see this attempted seriously. The few that have been done, though very much better than the crude examples Major Hall Edwards submits, break down hopelessly on simple analysis. The case resolved itself at an early stage into the examination of the personal element and the motive for faked work. It was this that occupied us so strenuously, for we fully realized the imperative need of overwhelmingly satisfying proof of personal integrity before accepting the photographs as genuine. This was carried through, and its thoroughness may be estimated by the fact that, notwithstanding the searching nature of the investigation that has followed the publication of the village, names, etc., nothing even modifies my first report. I need hardly point out that the strength of the case lies in its amazing simplicity and the integrity of the family concerned. It is on the photographic plus the personal evidence that the case stands. Into part of the criticism advanced by Major Hall Edwards it will be kinder perhaps not to enter. Seriously to suggest that a visit to a cinema show and the use of an apt illustration implies a very considerable knowledge of photography is on a par with the supposition that to be employed as an errand girl and help in a shop indicates a high degree of skill in that profession. We are not quite so credulous as that, nor were we able to believe that two children, alone and unaided, could produce in half an hour a faked photograph of the type of Alice and the Fairies. End of quote. In addition to this criticism by Major Hall Edwards, there came an attack in journal London from the distinguished writer Mr. Maurice Hewlett, who raises some objections which were answered in Mr. Gardner's subsequent reply. Mr. Hewlett's contention was as follows. Quote, the stage which Sir A. Conan Doyle has reached at present is one of belief in the genuineness of what one may call the carpenter photographs which showed the other day to the readers of the Strand magazine to ordinary girls in familiar intercourse with winged beings, as near as I can judge, about eighteen inches high. If we believe in the photographs, two inferences can be made, so to speak, to stand up. One, that he must believe also in the existence of the beings. Two, 
that a mechanical operation where human agency has done nothing but prepare a plate, focus an object, press a button, and print a picture, has rendered visible something which is not otherwise visible to the common naked eye. That is really all Sir Arthur has to tell us. He believes the photographs to be genuine. The rest follows. But why does he believe it? Because the young ladies tell him that they are genuine. Alas! Sir Arthur cannot, he tells us, go into Yorkshire himself to cross-examine the young ladies, even if he wishes to cross-examine them, which does not appear. However, he sends in his place a friend, Mr. E. L. Gardner, also of hospitable mind, with settled opinions upon theosophy and kindred subjects, but deficient, it would seem, in logical faculty. Mr. Gardner has himself photographed in the place where the young ladies photographed each other, or thereabouts. No winged being circled about him, and one wonders why. Mr. Gardner, A, was photographed, B, reproduced the photograph in the Strand magazine. The only answer I can find is suggested to me by the appearance of the virgin and child to certain shepherds in a peach orchard at Verona. The shepherds told their parish priest that the Virgin Mary had indeed appeared to them on a moonlit night, had accepted a bowl of milk from them, had then picked a peach from one of the trees and eaten it. The priest visited the spot in their company, and in due course picked up a peach stone. That settled it. Obviously the Madonna had been really there, for here was the peach stone to prove it. I am driven to the conclusion that Mr. Gardner had himself photographed in a particular spot in order to prove the genuineness of former photographs taken there. The argument would run. The photographs were taken on a certain spot, but I have been myself photographed on that spot, therefore the photographs were genuine. There is a fallacy lurking, but it is a hospitable fallacy, and likely it doesn't very much matter. The line to take about a question of the sort is undoubtedly that of least resistance. Which is the harder to believe, the faking of a photograph, or the objective existence of winged beings eighteen inches high? Undoubtedly, to a plain man, the latter. But assume the former. If such beings exist, if they are occasionally visible, and if a camera is capable of revealing to all the world what is hidden from most people in it, we are not yet able to say that the carpenter photographs are photographs of such beings. For we, observe, have not seen such beings. True, but we have all seen photographs of beings in rapid motion. Horses racing, greyhounds coursing a hare, men running over a field, and so on. We have seen pictures of these things, and we have seen photographs of them. And the odd thing is that never... Never by any chance does the photograph of a running object in the least resemble a picture of it. The horse, dog, or man, in fact, in the photograph, does not look to be in motion at all. And rightly so, because in the instant of being photographed it was not in motion. So infinitely rapid is the action of light on the plate, that it is possible to isolate a fraction of time in a rapid flight and to record it. Directly you combine a series of photographs in sequence and set them moving, you have a semblance of motion exactly like that which you have in a picture. Now the beings circling round a girl's head and shoulders in the carpenter photograph are in picture flighty and not in photographic flight. That is certain. They are in the approved pictorial or plastic convention of dancing. They are not well rendered by any means. They are stiff compared with, let us say, the whirling gnomes on the outside wrapper of punch. 
they have very little of the wild irresponsible vagary of a butterfly but they are an attempt to render an aerial dance pretty enough in a small way the photographs are too small to enable me to decide whether they are painted on cardboard or modelled in the round but the figures are not moving one other point which may be called a small one but in a matter of the sort no point is a small one i regard it as a certainty as the other plainly is if the dancing figures had been dancing beings really there the child in the photograph would have been looking at them not at the camera i know children and knowing children and knowing that sir arthur conan doyle has legs i decide that the miss carpenters have pulled one of them meantime i suggest to him that epochs are born not made End quote. to which mr gardner replied in the following issue quote, i could have wished that mr maurice hewlett's somewhat playful criticism of the genuineness of the photographs of fairies appeared in the strand magazine christmas number had been more clearly defined the only serious point raised is the difference between photographic and pictorial representation of motion mr hewlett maintaining that the latter is in evidence in the photographs with regard to the separate photographs of the sites surely the reason for their inclusion is obvious photographic experts had stated that though the two negatives revealed no trace of any faking process such as double exposure painted figures on enlargements rephotographed set up models in card or other material still it could not be held to be impossible to obtain the same class of result by very clever studio work also certain points that need elucidation were the haze above and at the side of the child's head and the blurred appearance of the waterfall as compared with the clarity of the figures etc an inspection of the spots and photographs of their surroundings was surely the only way to clear up some of these as a matter of fact the waterfall proved to be about twenty feet behind the child and hence out of focus in some large rocks at the same distance in the rear at the side of the fall were found to be the cause of the haziness the separate photographs of which only one is published of each place confirm entirely the genuineness of the sites not the genuineness of the fairies in commenting on the photography of a moving object mr hewlett makes the astonishing statement that at the instant of being photographed it is not in motion mr h s italics i wonder when it is and what would happen if a camera was exposed then of course the moving object is in motion during exposure no matter whether the time be a fiftieth or a millionth part of a second though mr hewlett is by no means the only one to fall into this error and each of the fairy figures in the negative discloses signs of movement this was one of the first points determined i admit at once of course that this does not meet the criticism that the fairies display much more grace in action than is to be found in the ordinary snapshot of a moving horse or man but if we are here dealing with fairies whose bodies must be presumed to be of a purely ethereal and plastic nature and not with skeleton framed mammals at all is it such a very illogical mind that accepts the exquisite grace therein found as a natural quality that is never absent in view of the overwhelming evidence of genuineness now in hand this seems to be the truth with regard to the last query raised the child looking at the camera instead of at the fairies 
Alice was entirely unsophisticated respecting the proper photographic attitude. For her, cameras were much more novel than fairies, and never before had she seen one used so close to her. Strange to us as it may seem, at the moment it interested her the most. Apropos, would a faker clever enough to produce such a photograph commit the elementary blunder of not posing his subject? End quote. Among other interesting and weighty opinions which were in general agreement with our contentions was one by Mr. H. A. Studden of Goodmays, a gentleman who had made a particular hobby of fakes in photography. His report is too long and too technical for inclusion, but under the various headings of composition, dress, development, density, lighting, poise, texture, plate, atmosphere, focus, halation, he goes very completely into the evidence, coming to the final conclusion that when tried by all these tests, the chances are not less than 80% in favor of authenticity. It may be added that, in the course of exhibiting these photographs, in the interests of the theosophical bodies with which Mr. Gardner is connected, it has sometimes occurred that the plates have been enormously magnified upon the screen. In one instance, at Wakefield, the powerful lantern used through an exceptionally large picture on a huge sheet. The operator, a very intelligent man, who had taken a sceptical attitude, was entirely converted to the truth of the photographs, for, as he pointed out, such an enlargement would show the least trace of a scissor's irregularity or of any artificial detail, and would make it absurd to suppose that a dummy figure could remain undetected. The lines were always beautifully fine and unbroken. End of chapter 3